Bible of some kind, whether it's electronic or, or physical, turn to Psalm 31. And I just want to read, I, I'm kind of on this theme of, of grandparents. You know, parenting is an amazing experience. And, and it's just, it's wonderful when God gives you family. But I just want you to know, grandparenting is even better. It's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it, it, I, my theory, Lupe, is that by the time you're a grandparent, you're almost smart enough to be a parent. It, because you learn by experience, you know, that this parenting thing, it, it can be a challenge. And I, li- I love the way one person described grandparenting. They said, grandparenting is like shaking up a can of pop and then handing it back. Okay. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, a nursery school teacher was delivering a, a station wagon full of kids home one day when a fire truck zoomed past. Sitting in the front seat of the truck was a Dalmatian dog. The children started discussing the dog's duties. They use him to keep crowds back, said one child. No, said another. He's just for good luck. A third child brought uh, the, the argument to a close. They said they use the dogs, she said firmly, to find the fire hydrants. Is it okay to say that in church? (laughs) These are taken from papers written by a class of eight-year-olds. Grandparents are a lady and a man who have no little children of their own. They like other people's. Grandparents don't have to do anything except be there when you come to see them. They are so old they shouldn't play hard or run. It is good if they drive us to the shops and give us money. When they take walks, uh, when they take us for walks, they slow down past things like pretty leaves and caterpillars. They don't say, hurry up. They wear glasses and funny underwear. (laughs) I'm learning stuff. They can take their teeth and gums out. They have to answer questions like, why isn't God married? And how come dogs chase cats? When they read to us, they don't skip. They don't mind if you ask for the same story over again. They know we should have snack time before bedtime, and they say prayers with us and kiss us even when we've acted bad. A six-year-old was asked where his grandma lived. Oh, he said, She lives at the airport, and when we want her, we just go get her. Uh, Then when we're done uh, having her visit, we take her back to the airport. (laughs) Grandpa is the smartest man on earth. He teaches me good things, but I don't get to see him enough to get as smart as him. Amen. Psalm 31. I want to talk to you today about something that is really important to us as God's kids. Something that is to be a source of strength to us. I want to talk about the secret place. The secret place is Bible terminology for your alone time with God. Just you and the Father. 
that go into your room and shut the door time. It's also biblical terminology for his presence. In fact, we're going to look at that first. Psalm 31, verses 19 and 20. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. From the plots of men, you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. I love that verse. How great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of man. This is not talking about heaven. He's saying God has laid up things for each one of us that, that trust him, that, that, that look to him. And, 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 but that it's interesting, in the, there's a connection here between the, his presence and the, and the secret place, and the secret place is described as a place of protection, a, a place uh, of being hidden in God in such a way that you are protected from the things that are going on around you. Now, that truth is powerfully illustrated in Psalm 91. The safety that is found in the secret place of his presence that protects us from everything going on around us. So I I just want to look at this psalm for a moment. Uh, there, There really is only one key verse that I want you to walk away from the message today with. And, and, and I'm going to read a lot of verses, but there's one that, that I pray will just grab you. So verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow or the shade of the Almighty. That there is something safe about dwelling in the shade that his presence gives us. I will say of the Lord, verse 2, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. So here is a a declaration of someone who knows the secret place. This is what living in his shade is like. This is what living under his protection is like. Are you ready for this? This is so powerful that I think it's hard for us to wrap our mind around it. Verse 3, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He'll protect you from every trap of the enemy and from the perilous pestilence, from from every, any deadly disease. Verse 4, and he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. He, he, He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Verse 5, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Notice he's acknowledging all these things happening around. He's just saying, they're not going to touch you. Oh, they're real. They're happening. In fact, you could give 
distracted very easily by, by getting captivated by those things that are happening here and there. But he says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Is this guy on something? Or is he on to something? Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. You won't experience it. You'll see others that, that don't know the secret place. You'll see others experience in their hands. They shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. What, what an amazing way to begin your day. Maybe by just jumping out of bed and, and saying, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings I shall take refuge. And I, we could just keep reading that psalm because it is so amazingly powerful. It's about the, the, the protection of living in the secret place, what it gives you, and how you can live. Fearless, absolutely fearless. And, and it's not a self-confidence. It's not. It's a God confidence. It's a confidence in the, in the God who has called us, put his spirit inside of us, and empowered us for his purpose. Now, now that we see some of the fruit of the secret place, let's find out where this secret place is. How do I begin to practice this dwelling in the secret place? But let me ask, I'm going to begin with a question here. How many of you want more of God in your life. You know, it, I think sometimes in my life I have become content. And what I mean by that is I, I'm just, I'm good. Everything's okay. And, and see, it's really not a good place to be. One of my first pastors he, he, he would say it this way. He said, I'm learning to be satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. Yeah, I know there's, John just kind of thinking there for a minute. 
What, 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 how would you do that? He, he's saying, I'm, I, I'm content with where I'm at in the sense that God has done this in my life, and, and, I, and I'm content in that sense, but I'm still pressing. I, I'm still pushing into God. I still want more of him in my life. If that's you, then this message is for you today. Now, Dale Capitula. Matthew 6, verse 6. But you, who's he talking to? Who? Yes, yes. Yeah, the right answer is me. He's talking to me. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So we have this, this contrast between in secret and in public, in secreto y en publico. Now in your notes, what you do in secret affects who you are in public. What, what you do in the secret place affects who you are in the public arena. So again, in order to give this verse context, I want to look at the verses before it. Versículo uno. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, the implication here is that the reward of being seen by man you know, you can go for that if you want. You know, maybe they'll think I, I look spiritual or something. But see, that's not the reward to be going for. What, what we want is the reward of our Father in heaven. So he gives us these, these instruct, simple instructions. Verse 2. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, when, when you see a poor person and you, and you want to bless them, or you, you see some kind of a need of any kind, and you want to be a source, you, you're, it's like you're saying, God, use me to, to meet that need. Let me. Therefore, when you do that, do not sound a trumpet. Da-da-da-da. Rabbi so-and-so gives money to the poor. Do not do that as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. See, hypocrites do things to receive glory from men. And because of that, they have their reward from men. But they will not receive any reward from the Father. Verse 3, but, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, in secreto, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you do things to bless others, and see, that's, God is calling us to be a blessing. 
why would God bless me if it wasn't so that I could be a blessing to others? Anything that you have experienced in God, you now have the authority to release it into other people's lives. Freely you have received, by God's grace, freely give. When you got saved, you now have the power to share the gospel with others. When you got healed in your body, you now, have, now you can release that healing into other people's lives. If you got delivered from an addiction or something like that, you actually have authority to release that into other people's lives. When you do something to bless somebody, do it in secret as much as you can. And your father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. Do not do it to be seen by men. Do it to be seen by God, and he will reward you openly. Now, now he, he switches gears. He's basically teaching the same principle of doing things in secret, but now he's talking about prayer. Verse 5, and when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Don't, don't pray like the hypocrites or the religious people. They, they, they pray in very public places. Don't be like that. Por qué? Because they pray to be seen and heard of men, and that's their reward. That's it. That's all they get. Maybe somebody will think, well, that, that rabbi must be a very spiritual person. Listen to them pray. But see, their praying does not move God because they're not praying to God. They are praying to be heard by men. Is this making sense? So part of understanding the context here is this. Jesus is talking about praying to be heard by God, not by men. So let's read our key verse again, because we've gotten to it. Versiculo says, but you, who are we talking about? <laughs> but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, the word secret here does not mean, shh, it's a secret. doesn't mean that. The word actually means concealed or private. It, it, we're talking about private prayer versus public prayer. Now we'll come back to this verse, this key verse again, but I, I want to get it in context, so let's keep reading. Jesus gives more instruction on how to pray, and, and these verses are all about effective prayer. How many here want to pray effectively? Five of you, okay. How, let me say it differently. How many want God to answer your prayer when you pray? Okay. <laughs> I got the right crowd. So verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions 
as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard by their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So he tells us not to use vain repetition when praying. It's, it's not about saying something over and over again. You know, maybe if I say it enough times, God will hear me. No, for they think they will be heard for their many words. You don't need to do that. Your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't ask him. In fact, James says you have not because you ask not. So asking is important, but God already knows what we need. But he still wants us to ask him for it. But you don't need to keep asking him over and over and over again. In fact, that can be a lack of faith. And then right after this, Jesus says, in this manner, therefore pray. And he gives us what has been called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. But this, this is all part of putting verse 6 in context. So let, let me read this. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Venga tu reino. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, if we had time today, and you probably already know this, but everything you and I will ever need while on this planet is actually contained in this prayer. Total. But then Jesus gives some commentary after this prayer, but he only comments on one part of the prayer. He comments on the part where, where he says, and forgive us our, our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, these are his comments. Matthew 6, versículo 14, verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses being untangled inside is critical for every christian i know you've heard me say it before but unforgiveness is a luxury no christian can afford being being untangled inside is critical for effective prayer. If you want to have a powerful prayer life, you cannot hold any offense towards anyone. Now, this is extremely important for us to understand. Several times in the Gospels, when Jesus was talking about prayer, you know, when he was talking about speaking to a mountain, if you believe it in your heart, what you say with your mouth, that, that mountain's going to move. And then he shifted into prayer, and he said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So he's talking about prayer, but then he shifts gears and, and talks about unforgiveness. As if to say, I, I'm, I'm calling you into a place of effective prayer, but if you, if, you, if you have unforgiveness, you can't go there. This is one of the main tactics 
of the enemy. After you get saved, the truth is, he, he can't change that. He can't. Once you've been born again into the kingdom of God, there's nothing the devil can do about that. At best, he could incapacitate you. And see, that's what unforgiveness does. It incapacitates us. It makes us so that we're not a threat to the enemy because our prayer life is severely diminished. And see, that's why Jesus addresses this area when he's, when he's talking about prayer. Um, he's showing us that, that in order to really step into the arena that, he, that he's calling us to, we have to be untangled inside. Does this make sense? In fact, let's stand for a minute, okay? I'm not closing the message. I don't want you, don't want you to get too excited. I, I just want to lead you in a prayer this morning. Put your hands on your heart and just say, Father, I repent of all unforgiveness and offense that I have allowed in my life. I confess it as sin. Please forgive me and cleanse me from it right now. I am your child. I represent you on the earth. Use me for your glory. I will walk in your love all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, just sit down. Take a deep breath. Just breathe in his presence and let him fill every part of you in Jesus' name. Let him completely untangle you inside. Another word for forgiveness is freedom. When you forgive someone, you're the one that is stepping into freedom. Now, I want you to declare something with me. This is actually the command of Jesus in Matthew 5.44. Just declare this with me. I will love my enemies. I will bless those who curse me. I will do good to those who hate me. And pray for those who spitefully use me. And persecute me. In Jesus' name, amen. See, when you begin to do those things, when you begin lo loving your enemies, you, ha you have stepped out of carnal Christianity. You have stepped out of just trying to serve God in the flesh. And you, because to do that, you have to tap into the Spirit of God to live like that. Does that make sense? Now, now we have the full context of Matthew 6.6. 6. So let's read it one last time. But you, I'm not going to ask who that is. But you, when you pray, when you petition God, when you talk to him, when you're praying to be heard by God, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, in contrast to the hypocrites, 
who pray to look spiritual in, in contrast to those who pray to be heard by men, you go into a private place and shut the door. Now, now to me, this isn't about just about being alone or by myself. This shutting the door, it implies a conscious effort to shut out all distractions. And see, for some of us, that means turn off your phone. Stop checking your emails. Stop being distracted. Separate yourself from the things that would normally distract you. And when you are in, in this place by yourself and have closed the door of distraction, after you do that, he says this, pray to your father who is in the secret place. That, that's the place that you're going to find him. He's actually waiting there for you. He is in the secret place, in that place of solitude, in that place of guarded focus, that this place and time that you've set aside to be with him, it is in that place that, that he will meet with you and he will hear the cry of your heart. So cry out to him. Oh God, let your kingdom come the things that, that you want to see changed around you. Cry out to God. Lift up your voice. Your Father is listening to you. Whatever is on your heart, your children, your job, your spouse, lift up your voice and cry out to God. Now, it is in this place, the, the secret place, that God will do a deep work in your own heart. Sometimes we need to let God change us so that he can answer the cry of our heart. Sometimes there are adjustments that, 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 need, that God wants to do in us to enable us to steward the, the answer to our prayer that he desires to give us. And what will the result be? What will be the fruit of, of spending time in the secret place? What will happen as a result of praying to be heard by God? Let's keep reading. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. The father who sees what you do in secret, he hears your prayers there. But he will reward you openly. He will reward you. It will come to you openly in publico. Well, now we're not talking about the secret place. We're talking about the public place. We're talking about you doing life. This is where you live. In that place, God will openly reward you. Lo que haces en secreto afecta quien eres en publico. What, what you do in secret, it affects who you are in public. The miracles that you, will, that you see in your public life, they're actually because of that time of spending time in the secret place. Let me give you a, a formula. Now, I'm not a formula guy, okay? And I, 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 don't, I try not to pull out formulas from the scripture. But there are principles that always work. Here, here's the principle. If you want to see God invade the world that you live in, 
the people that you rub shoulders with. Go into the secret place and cry out for him to come and to show up. And then go into the public arena and take risks. Take chances. What do I mean? I mean, pray for people. Wow, I, I see you've got a problem. I, uh, we, I, w- I was doing a wedding a couple weeks ago and ran into a, a couple that, man, I've known for years, uh, just love this family. And I, at the rehearsal, the wife was there and the daughter was there because she was actually playing shell, a cello for the wedding. And, and the next night at the actual wedding, uh, Andrew was there, and, and, but he's on crutches. He's on crutches, you know? And I, I just said, dude, what happened? And he said, he said, you know, and he goes through this story, and, and I said, well, listen, can I pray for you? Man, like, like sometimes when you ask people something like that, they, they're, they're kind of like, you know, almost basically, before I even finished the sentence, he said, yes! It's like, it's like, what took you so long, you know? And so prayed for him, and, uh, and I, you know, I checked with him the next day. He says, yeah, it's a lot better, and checked with him about a week later. He says, oh, yeah, he said, it, it's, all, it's all better. You know, and he was looking at, you know, surgeries and all these different kinds of things. But see, what I'm talking about is, is in, your, in your quiet time, in, in that place, you're crying out to God to invade your world and then going out and giving him opportunities. And it, it does feel risky sometimes. And, and it's not just about healing. It might be some other situation. You know, somebody's got a kid that's just wandering in, in you know, wandering away. And, and well, let's just pray for your daughter. Let's just pray for God to grab a hold of her. See, this is this is what you were created for. This is the adventure of of, of Christianity. What what you do in secret affects who you are in public and, and, and the, the, the miracles, the, 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 the God uh, invasions uh, that happen in your world where you're out and about and living are a result of crying out to God in the secret place. And see, when you make the determination to live free from offense and to be completely untangled, and I, I'm telling you, the enemy will challenge that. The enemy will bring you great opportunities to be offended. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you make the choice that, no, I'm not hanging on to that, Lord, I bless him in Jesus' name. I'm going to bless those who curse me. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to function with the opposite spirit. Instead of allowing that person in the flesh to stir up my flesh, which is a, a carnal way to live, instead of letting that happen, I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to bless them in Jesus' name. And see, when you make that choice to be completely untangled, God will work, and see, God will work on your heart in the secret place. And one of the first things that he'll do there is untangle you so that he can start answering your prayers. 
And when you make the time or, or make the determination to spend that time in the secret place every day, no matter how busy your schedule is or all the things that you have on your plate. See, when you make a decision to cry out to God, I'm going to cry out for more of God in my life. Quiero más de ti en mi vida, Señor. Padre, venga tu reino en mi vida. Pour mi vida. Let, let your kingdom come in my life and through my life. I'm going to cry out to God for his kingdom to come. I'm going to cry out to God for his will to be done. Here on earth, just like it's being done in heaven, because Whatever his, whenever his kingdom comes, his will is done. Wherever his kingdom comes, people's lives are transformed. Wherever his kingdom comes, his will is done. See, this is your assignment. That is my assignment. Our assignment is to release heaven into the earth so that earth becomes like heaven. Where the will of God is being done, there's no sickness or disease in heaven. There's no hopelessness in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There is only righteousness and peace and joy. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And see, our assignment is to release that into the earth. My destination is heaven. Heaven is my destiny. But while I am still on the earth, I am on assignment. And my assignment is to release heaven into the earth. And so it's important as believers that we don't lose sight of our assignment. When I got saved, heaven became my destination. Heaven is my future home. I've been born from above, but it's not just about me getting to heaven or you getting to heaven. While I am here on earth, it's about getting heaven here. While I am here on the earth, my assignment is to release heaven into the earth. That's what Jesus meant when he said, pray like this, your kingdom come. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Worship team, please come. I know that, that some Christians, we can develop this perspective where we're just waiting for Jesus to come and man, rescue us from all this. And, and, and they tend to kind of isolate and, and wait for Jesus to return. You know, I've seen a lot of that, especially during the pandemic. But that's the very opposite of what we're supposed to do. Occupy until I come. The word occupy means to take or fill up, to take possession and control of. We are on assignment to release heaven into the earth. Do business until I come. Be about the Father's business. Let's stand. Are you guys doing okay? I want, I want to pray one more time, okay? I, I, would, I want to invite you to pray with me. Pray this prayer, Holy Father, remove all hypocrisy from my life. I want to be heard by you, not by man. Let my private life be in alignment 
with my public life. Bring my life into alignment with your kingdom so I can be about the Father's business. I choose to pursue you, to know you in the secret place. Help me to not be distracted by activity or responsibility. Help me to always recognize my need to be with you. Let me be a vessel that releases you and your kingdom into the earth, in me, through me, and around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Why does it make such a difference when we spend time in the secret place? Can we do that first, huh? Yep. Because it's in the secret place that we come into alignment with God. It, it's there where deep repentance takes place in our lives. It's there where we come under God. It's there where we surrender to his kingdom, and that's why we carry a greater dimension of his kingdom in the public place. As you surrender to this, his kingdom, you take with you into, into the world that you live in. You take into the, the ability to release that kingdom. Does that make sense? The more surrendered you are to the kingdom, the more of the kingdom that you can release around you. I got it. We're going to sing a song that we began with this morning because it, it is a song. It's a it's a song that uh, it's a message of, of of repentance. It's a message of God send revival. It's a message of recognizing that that as we touch God, it actually affects the things around us. Okay, I'm going to try to do better than I did at the beginning of the service.
<laughs> thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. Lord, your desire, your passion to meet with us in the secret place. Father, what, what an invitation. What a joy. We just want to bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite prayer people to come up this morning. And if you need prayer for anything, that, that will be available. The benediction I want to give you is 2 Timothy 4, verse 18. And the Lord will deliver you from every evil work and preserve you for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, saints. Have a great, great week.